Well, hello and welcome to the DC United Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, James Graham. Um, as you'll see down below me, you've got Andy McBride. So hello, Andy. How are you doing? Hello. I am very good. Thank you. Good, good. Um, just quickly, before we actually start chatting about DC United, just a quick shout out to the show's sponsors, which is MLS UK Show. You'll see in the description below a little link to their website and their YouTube channel as well. So hit them up, subscribe. If you look a few episodes ago, you'll see me on there uh, when I was interviewed about Ben Olsen and his reign and what we thought. Obviously, a lot has changed since then. So me and Andy here, we're going to have a little chat. We're going to speak about the last few games. We've got one more game left to go. And I hope you're here whilst you're joining us. So you can get away from all that election nonsense that's happening over in the USA, which I'd imagine a lot of you are from right now. Um, so if you're watching live, hit up in the YouTube chat right now. Send in your thoughts, send in some questions. If you've got anything whilst we're talking, we'll answer what we can. But here we go. Andy, how are things um, with you? Yeah, they're good. You know, yeah. we're about to enter lockdown part two. Yes. You know, might be like Terminator 2, just better, better than the first, but we'll see. <laughs> but, Fingers um, crossed. Yeah, but, you know, if you, look on the, if you look on the bright side, it gives us time to do uh, wonderful podcasts such as yours. Oh, that was, that was a nice little thing you just said. I know, I'm just getting my nice quota out of the way for the year. <laughs> well, you've left it late, let's put it that way. Um, So, just a couple of things about it. Obviously, if you're watching or you're listening on the podcast uh, provider, you'll notice Andy's got an English accent. It's a northern accent, which is great, because that's what I like to hear. Um, but it's nice to actually have someone on the show who's from the UK and actually supports DC United. So, tell us a little bit about your newish love affair with DC United. Well, it's kind of come... The whole sort of MLS and the whole DC United has come sort of quite gradually over the past few years. So, you know, growing up in obviously Manchester, uh, my my English team, if you like, is Manchester United. What, what, um, I, let me just pause you right. You grew up in Manchester and supported Man United. I know, I know. People will tell you they're City, the Man City fans, but to be honest, they really came out of hiding after 2008. Um <laughs> No, carry on, carry on. Otherwise, it's like Fight Club, you don't talk about it. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, and it, it sort of comes from there. So, you know, over the years, there's been quite a few ex-Manchester United players that have gone over to MLS. So I think the first real noticeable one was David Beckham yes. back in uh, 2007. I mean, yeah. that sort of, you know, with the whole Beckham rule, designated player rule, it changed sort of the landscape of it. But I think ultimately for me here, I haven't really even really heard of MLS or paid any degree of attention to it whatsoever. Um, and then, you know, over the years for a mixture of um, seeing Beckham over there, what he did up until 2012, I've seen other British players go over, yeah. um, you know, and also just for our, you know, our side hobby football manager, you kind of perversely learn more that way. So um, I think with the DC United specifically, it came when Wayne Rooney uh, went over to uh, United. It's a bit similar to your experience with Jamie Moreno going to Middlesbrough. Yep. 
going to DC, you, you kind of like follow, oh, well, you know, that player's going over there, I really liked, I want to see what he does. And then, you know, as it happens, um, when he went over to... Um, when you went over to DC, I think it was around about a similar sort of time you you know you started your channel, yep. uh, things like that. So you know naturally being um, a bit of a night owl, um, I've ended up watching a few of the games with you, getting yep. really involved in it, um, and even like post Rooney, which is you know nearly a year ago now, we've both watched a lot of games together. Yeah. So I'm now like I'm now I'm now invested in DC United, <laughs> you know, because I've been, you know, I've been sort of like, sort of taking an interest in MLS without really committing, um, you know, like it's sort of like a semi-permanent single bachelor almost, just afraid to commit. <laughs> and now I've got to that, you know, almost midlife crisis stage of my life. You know what? I'm going to commit. Yeah. You know, I've committed to a girlfriend. I'm now going to commit to DC United. You know got to make these decisions and it's um i've really i've just really enjoyed watching the games i mean well a joy is probably a strong word and one or two of them <laughs> but um it's certainly not been short of um entertainment and talking points that's for sure yeah i mean this year has obviously been a bit of a crazy one especially with the whole covid situation that this entire planet is living through right now but you know we've had the extraordinary i think i think the mls back tournament i think there was a lot of skepticism about it there's a lot of people thinking why are we doing this but they did it brilliantly the whole think... bubble thing in orlando where i th- i mean apart from nashville and dallas i think it was that got kicked out of the tournament apart from that it went down without a hitch and credit to well, I, th- I think it's it's been it's been fantastic. I think a lot of people, you know, especially over here and also in MLS, were like, you know, this because of what's going on. Unfortunately, so many people are sort of you know have passed away or got seriously ill through COVID. You know, people who you sat at home thinking, how on earth could this? How on earth could we contemplate sport coming back? How is it going to work and things like yeah. that? And credit to MLS the organization to manage that operation, you know, in effect over two countries, because you, you know, you've got the Canadian side of it yeah. as well, you know, multiple states and travel to get it all done in the bubble in Orlando to get all the teams to come on board. I think it was excellent organization, you know, the testing and the isolation, the professionalism on there, you know, you haven't seen too many you haven't really seen any players kicking off you know if they've ended up um you know testing positive for whatever given reason they've gone yep no problem we'll take the two weeks off but there hasn't really been a huge level of controversy yeah and especially on the dc side of it i think it's been exceptionally well handled um you know and i think it's also great from the dc side of it is that literally every game during you know, I guess sort of um, the post-lockdown MLS era, they've taken a lot of time to, you know, praise the healthcare workers working at home. Yeah. You know, the little, the lovely, you know, you've seen your face in the stands. Uh, well, digital that, you. That, yeah. that was just, oh, <laughs> when I saw that on the on the um, television, I was just like, it's me and it's my wife mama, mama, and it's telly, my yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I'm on national TV. Well, I think it was broadcast in DC, but it was just like, oh my god, that's amazing! Um, <laughs> Mom, and... I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, to be fair, my mum does watch a couple of games whenever it's on a, it, at a decent time. Um, so fair, and I think my I think she's lis- probably listening into the show um, later on. So hi, mum, how are you doing? Um, speaking of hellos, Stu's joined us uh, in the live chat. So hey, Stu, how are you doing? If you got any questions for us, drop them in the chat. Um, and we've currently got three live viewers at the moment. So hello to the other two as well. Yep, um, and hello, Stu. Nice, nice um, to see you again. Nice. So, like you said, this love affair with DC has grown steadily over time. Um, and yes, we've been up watching the matches. We've been on our WhatsApp group, just messaging each other. Um, what has been your favourite game so far? Ooh, I think the I think the most memorable game was um, you know the Rain Rooney assist to the game against Orlando that oh. big moment. I mean that was just um, I mean it, it goes down into one of the top MLS moments in the past five years. Like you don't normally talk about an assist as much as you would do a goal, yeah. and you know it was just classic Rain Rooney. Like you know the team, you know the one their knees. They're knackered. You've got the goalkeeper coming up for a corner. Like you, you look at it going. Well, the only thing that's happening here is Orlando going over, scoring another one, and all of that effort is just pointless. Yeah. Um. You know, and then you see, you know, in his thirties, Wayne Rooney. You know, not even, you know, not even at his peak, belting yeah. along like he's twenty-one years old. You know, steaming into a slide tackle as he does. I mean, for a striker, he's probably one of the best tacklers of the ball for I've seen in a striker, really. Yeah. Um, and then that the quality just to ping it forty yards on the smallest guy on the pitch of Costa's head. You know, forty yards on a pin drop into the net. I mean, that was just absolute. Just you know, the crowd absolute scenes, as they would yeah. say. Uh, so I think you know that's everywhere. got. Yeah, and that that I think that was like the trigger point. I'm just like, yeah, you know, it was, um, you know, it got even over here. It got an awful lot of attention and stuff like that. Yeah, I've um, enjoyed it ever since. I mean, you know, I think if you look at sort of this season, um, I think you know, probably like I said, enjoyment is probably a strong word. Enduring. Um, yeah. <laughs> and making light of situations has probably yes. been the highlight of it. Um, you know, but it's a, it's um it's a team in transition at the moment. You know, when you, yeah. I think it's a combination of things have got a little bit stale for whatever reason. You know, stale a bit tactically. Um, I think um, I think we're seeing after you know after Ray Rooney had left, I think we're seeing there's been a big combination of bad luck, injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at if you look at the flow impact Flores made the other night, you know, he hasn't started particularly much. Yeah. But to assist and the quality of the balls that went in um as well. I mean, especially the first one for Assad, it was just pinpoint and that's the kind of quality that, you know, one you're paying him the big D P bucks for. Uh but it's the kind of quality that what you know, maybe Ben could have done with that in the last few weeks that he was there. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think you ever really got to see Flores in full flow, uh, like a good run of games. Because you've had injury, you've had lockdown, recovery from injury, trying to get up to speed. And I think, although it's probably a little bit on the late side this season, um, I think that's that's a step in the right direction. I think there's certainly 
you know, in the in the off season, some definitely some room for some movement, you know, on the general roster. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. Well, the roster is not exactly the biggest. Let's put it that way, especially no. when we're having to start the likes of Moses Nyman, who's a sixteen-year-old, Kevin Paredes, Griffin Yao. The fact that we've had to rely on the youth so much this season, one, as you rightly said, shows the amount of bad luck that we've had in injuries. The fact that we've had Paul Ariola out, Felipe Martins is out, we've had Steve Birnbaum out, we've had Fred Briant, who's been playing through an injury. Um, Asada's had a couple of injuries. Flores has been out. The yeah, I mean, you've had Russell Canals playing at centre-back. <laughs> so, yeah, to be fair. Apart, I mean, played apart from the other night, but yeah, I mean, the game against Revs, he had a bit of a howler, is to say the least. Um, it's been difficult for him uh, in that game. But the first game against, I think it was Atlanta, he had an absolute stormer. Oh, the, when he... defensive, the defensive performance at Atlanta was brilliant. It like, yeah. you know, Bill Hamid was just in full, you're not coming in, you're not, you're not coming in. Yeah. Mode. Bill um, was being Bill. Yeah, be, be more Bill. That should yeah. be... That should be like a DC t-shirt, just Bill Hamid's face with be like be Bill. More Bill. Be more Bill, yeah. Yeah, be there more Bill. Go. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can I think that, that needs to go to, I think that needs to go to their management. Yeah, oh, I'll forward it on. I know, I know the guys there. You've got, you've um, got the contacts these days. I've got the contacts. Um, so we've had a, our first question come in. Oh, I wonder who that's from. Um, ah. Well, it's um, we've also had another evening uh, from Adam Gipke, who you were on his uh, podcast not so long ago. Yeah, so I've, been, out. I've, I've go from zero podcasts in the space of a week to a couple of ones. Yeah, so the, the uh, Hopeless Wanderer podcast, go and check that out. Um, a good friend of ours, Adam Gipke, is the host of that. And uh, I th- from the sounds of it, it's, it seems to be going all right. But... The first question has come from Stu Cotton, of course. Uh, Stu's asked, who's been your favourite DC player this season? Ooh. It's a good I'd question, probably, I'd one. probably say Yamil Assad, actually. Um, yeah? I really like the... I really like the since sort of playing a more sort of central role, yeah. um, I think DC get a lot more out of him that way. Because yeah. uh, they're struggling to create opportunities and, you know, sometimes he's looked a little bit abandoned out on the wing. And, in, you know, one thing he has got in his locker is, he, you know, he can hold up play, he can release it, but yeah. he's very good at carrying the ball. And that's, you know, if you, especially if you look at uh, really up to like the first goal of the game over the weekend, he carried yeah. the ball probably 30, 40 yards and released it. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, they got into position and that's probably something that has been sort of lacking before. Um, and I think, you know, he, he you know, it, especially with the absence of Acosta and Rooney over the past year, he yeah. is that one person, the ball is sort of the skillful ball carrier that they probably needed. Yes. Um, so I think watching him, um, you know, especially adapt to a new position and almost become a leader yeah. in a way because if you look at the DC United squad you've got basically a group of players that are in sort of the uh, 16 to 20 year old gap but if you look at and you know obviously Asad is like 27 but if you look at the 20 to 25 age gap there's only two players in there at the moment um, mm. now if, you know if you look at kind of where the DC squad is at you, you, there's a lack of um that group of senior players that could perform at 
MLS level on a consistent basis yeah. with room to develop. Okay. Um, and that's probably, you know, that's that's like an observation I've made yeah. in there because I think that's been the difference in some games. You needed not only a bit of experience, but you needed a little bit of uh, quality mixed in together with the yeah. physicality aspect of it. But yeah, I think Assad has been one of my favourite players to watch and I think very, very closely followed by the uh, the forest that is uh, Pines. Oh, Donovan Pines. It was yeah. on my show not that long ago. Goal scoring sensation. It has been. I, I, I promised a handstand if he was able to make it three goals in a row. Unfortunately, he was very, very close. I was like, he was, yeah. I'm going to actually have to do this. I've never done a handstand <laughs> before, but thankfully, didn't, didn't need it happening. But Stu has just said he didn't see that one coming. He's He's gone with Donovan Pines. So. I think, I, yeah, I think, I think he, for me, I would say he's, he's a second. I think he's added, yeah. you know, he's come, he's, you know, he's come from college football. Like he's, he's added a little bit of physicality dominance in there. Like yeah. you feel that when there's a corner, you, you know, there's a bit of presence and presence exactly. in the box. There's a bit of, you know, but he both ends when it comes to defending set pieces, when it comes yeah. to the opposite end, you know, it's not really a coincidence we're suddenly starting to get more from set pieces because you've got physically imposing figures, you know, not only just being there, but wanting to get to the ball a little bit. Yeah. It's, he has been fantastic when he's really taken his chance um, and his opportunity that has come his way because of the injuries to Bam Bam and Briant throughout the season. He's been, it, it feels like he's been an ever present because his maturity is coming on leaps and bounds. I think there's still question marks of his first touch. Uh, but that, again, that'll come with time. Um, I still don't really know which foot he is because he seems to be adept with both feet, which is great for a centre-back. And you're right, he's great in the air. He's got, for such a big guy, he's quick as, as heck. And I just, I would like to see him attack the ball a bit more when we got the attacking set pieces. I think that's the one part of his game, alongside his first touch, that would like to see an improvement on going into 2021. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing you see him be improved in the training ground, really. But yeah. I think, you know, he does the basics well. He just gets the ball away. Yeah. Things He's like that. You know, more, yeah, I think the more intricate stuff, like with the first touch, I think that will come, next, you know, in the off season where they're developing a more sort of sustained pattern of play. Um, especially when sort of in possession and not necessarily in the counter attack, I think that's where yeah. the first touch um, and the you know bit more refinement will certainly come in useful. I'd say you know at the yeah. moment everything's very much a work in progress, really, isn't it? So yeah, and you look at his passing ability though. So in the last couple of games, he's picked out an attacker with absolute precision, and you just I think it was a game against Atlanta. And you just see him just curl this ball around. And I'm sure it was Gressel who picked it up. And I'm like, how the heck did he see him there? And yeah. then he does the same sort of thing against the Revs as well. And he's just, he, bumped, he literally is going down the wing. And I, think, I think we talked about it. Pines being on the wing. And it's just like, <laughs> what's he doing there? What is he doing? But then he, then he threads the ball through. What's like, that, weren't we? Yeah. And he threads this ball through. And you think, okay, that's why he's there. And, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like watching Sheffield United over in England. He like the overlapping <laughs> centre backs and things like that. Um, you know, it's um, it, but it shows he's got a little bit of initiative 
to his game as well. Because yeah. you get a lot, you know, very stereotypically, you just get like a no-nonsense centre-back that will stay in position, will not move, you know. Yeah. But I think that's what, that's partly why DC are doing slightly better at the moment is because the players, I guess, whether it be through uh, their own initiative or a bit of encouragement from the coaching side of things to go, actually, you know, if, if it's right for you, if you feel you're going to make a play by going down slightly out of position, yeah. then you you know, then you could do so. Yeah. So, a couple more thoughts have come in. Um, Stu agrees that he could be a bigger weapon at set pieces and he's got so much potential. Um, we're Adam's asking this question, which moves slightly away from DC United, but still on MLS. Um, and he's asking, what are our thoughts on Inter Miami's first season? He says it's disappointing given the investment in players like Matuidi and Higuain or... Are they where we expected? Well, I think because Iguain and Matuidi have come in mid-season, really, haven't they? Yeah, I think Matuidi came in July because he signed after his contract. Yeah, you know. And and Iguain, I don't think he's even two months in yet. Yeah, you know, and with Iguain, I think to put it in a sort of polite way, he looked like he um, enjoyed lockdown as much as we did. Um, so he needed to get up, to, back up to shape a little bit. Um, to be fair, he's he's already hit the net. For yeah, to Miami, so he's already off the mark. I mean, his debut was a little bit iffy, where the penalty yeah. went somewhere near the space station. Um, but <laughs> um, no, he's he is a proven goal scorer. You know, he is you know he's a 10, 15, 20 goal a season striker. Right. In, in Europe's big league for 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, so I see absolutely no reason why next season, why he won't drag in 20, 25 goals, yeah. certainly. Uh, I think the Matuidi one, that was um, that was a, a slightly more strange one, I think, because though he is a big name player, yeah. he's, he, he's he's not necessarily the most creative. Um yeah. He's, you know, he's not renowned as a creative midfielder. He's more of a bit of, you know, in his special world playing for like Juve, he's a bit more of a spoiler. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting, I think, you know, without a uh, big sort of French presence in MLS as well, I think that would be interesting to see how that will work in the next year. Like maybe yeah. by moving to an MLS, he'll be able to show a bit more creativity. I mean, he did get his first goal like the weekend. You know, decent finish. Um, I think, you know, in terms of physicality, I think he'll certainly add a lot there as well, like a box box presence. So I think for a first season, I think, given how it was interrupted, I think into about where you'd expect them to be. Yeah. Do you think you look at right at this very start of the season, they were expected to be right up there. Obviously, they've got Beckham behind them and there's all that hype as well that goes with that. And everyone's expecting them to be at the top. They've got a really great coach that they brought in from Mexico. And their brand of football was supposed to be South American, flair, attacking. And then they come up against DC United in the second game of the season. They scored their first goal of the season. Um, which, to be fair, was nicely worked. It was it ended up being a nice little tap-in for them. But they just capitulated like I've never seen they concede a penalty and then they concede a free kick they get uh, Romain Torres sent off 
they just just went yeah to the i think that was like, a... was like okay i'll take that yeah take i two, think two one win I think there's been a few mistakes on the roster because I think Romain Torres, I mean, although he's much of an MLS veteran, he's done a lot of just good stuff in Seattle and got, you know, goodness knows how many caps for Panama. Um, yeah. I think he is a little bit on the uh, over the hill. Yeah, he's a bit past these it days. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, although the I think that's certainly showed at the start of the season. And I think yeah. another thing that probably didn't help them too much was that they weren't, you know, do you remember like when they were building their team and get ready for their first season? It was all about, yeah. we're going to get uh, this star in, we're going to get this star in, Ronaldo, Messi, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and apart from Pellegrini, who a uh, young lad, the young winger they got yeah. from um, Argentina, uh, they didn't actually get any of the names that they were linked no. to. You know, there were, you know, COVID reasons attached to it, you know, I guess contractual reasons waiting for them to be free in Europe. Yeah. But yeah, so I think with all of that taken into account, I don't, re- you know, granted they probably they spent a lot, lot, lot more money than Nashville, who were probably outperforming. Yes. Um, it's not necessarily unusual for a, a new MLS team, expansion team to be in that position, really. No, I mean, we just look at MC Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They've scored eleven goals this season. Yeah, I mean, the moment I thought we bad were as... bad at one point, but eleven I mean, that's... goals. Oh, that's, that's like FC Chivas bad. It's just horrendous. But let's go, let's go back to DC. Let's move back to what we're here for. Um, we've obviously had a few games recently um, because you know that's how the scheduling is right now in MLS with all the yeah, games that need to be done by Sunday um, Chad Ashton has taken over um, I think I've done one show since he has but we've had the Revs we've had Atlanta we've had three game three wins on the bounce um, we got 10 points from 12 and then unfortunately we came up against Revs and got beat Um Obviously, we've had a huge change, and we've not had any change in players. But how impressive has Chad Ashton been since he's taken over as interim head coach? He's been really good. I think. I think sometimes um, a change of coach can do that. I think the, the real proof in the pudding would be the long term. Yeah. Um, you know, I've known that from, especially from the, you know, it's, it's a stereotypical sort of new manager bounce. He's given them, a, you know, sometimes you don't even need to change that much. I think, I think the main thing that's happened is given them a bit of belief, a bit yeah. more freedom to express themselves. Because I think things towards the end of Benzo were a little bit rigid. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, some when you know, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results. And I think that's what was happening towards the end of Ben's reign. There didn't seem to be any major switch up. And all right, there are circumstances with injury and things like that, but there wasn't really any tactical innovation to try and change the situation yeah. from where it was. Whereas I think the things you have noticed, there's a lot more, there's definitely been work done on the set pieces and getting balls in from wide. And there's a lot, it's a bit more of a pattern of play on the counter-attack. I think Jordi Reina coming in, um, I think that's added a little bit of quality there. Um, again, a good runner, good runner yeah. off the ball. Um, you know, will certainly commit himself on the one-on-one situation. Um, so when you've got a sad coming through the centre, you've got 
Reina, either whether it be drifted from the wing or up front or partnering up front, yeah. um, and now Flores as well. There's a little bit more fluidity there. Um, so I think those two things alone, and just um, good form in defence, really. Because um, I think the only difference really with Ben, you know, before Ben, and um, if you go back a year or so, they're always relatively solid in defence. Yeah. I think that's always, you know, the times I've been watching DC over the past sort of 18 months or so, they've generally speaking been okay in defence, apart from the other game. I think the only time I remember them being well and truly absolutely awful was against Toronto last year. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, five one reverse where I think that sort of felt like the beginning of the end almost. Yeah, I think with that in, one. In a way, yeah, you can you can see where you're coming from on that one because it was just a case of Wayne just had enough and he subbed himself off at half time and extra times and that was it. It was just it was odd to see that happen and you think and I think I spoke to someone on one of the previous episodes, I can't remember who it was, but um we were chatting about Toronto. I think I think it was on the MLS UK show, and you think you score an equaliser in the 90th minute. You think that spurs you on. That you think right, the momentum's with us. We we've got extra time to really kick on and actually win this game now. But it just didn't happen. You just saw them score one goal, then a second goal. It just went time. down. It was just yeah. And then Nick DeLeon, former DC player, decides to whip one in the top corner. Like, right, that's it. That was just the the icing on the cake. And then it's like, oh, I stayed up for that. I stayed up for that. But it, it was one of those things. And you're right, it, it did feel like a little bit of the start of the end. And then 2020 came along with its uh, whole COVID thing. Granted, the first two games, we got three points from the first two. You can't really argue too much with that. And then the MLS's back tournament came along and that was really disappointing from a fan's point of view. Where we went out in the group stage. No one likes to go out in the group stages, but... No, yeah, I think, although probably nobody was in top shape, I think DC no. looked really, really sort of undercooked. Yeah. Uh, they just looked, you know, a few yards behind everybody else all the time, really. Like, yeah. there was just... It's one of those situations where I, I think I was, I was watching one of the games and you could watch it. For, I said, like, we could play for another six, seven hours and there'll be absolutely zero chance of anything even yeah. approaching a goal. <laughs> yeah, I think that was probably, that was the Revs game, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was a 2-0. Uh, and yeah. funnily enough, I remember, um, I think, um, I think, you might have fallen asleep during that one. <laughs> I think uh, was that that one? Uh, yeah, I think it could have been actually. Yeah, yeah and I think uh, and I was um, and I was I was watching it and thinking there, there was just no picking up. Like Stavo Bow, I think he was like man of a match in that game for me because yeah. he was everywhere. He was picking stuff up. He was going past players, and yeah. it, it, they just you just couldn't get anywhere near him. Um, and not only so, not only that, and you were there was just zero creativity whatsoever. And I think it was after that game, um, you know, and the revs aren't particularly fantastic, uh, mm-hmm. really. You know, by um, I think that game, you think, yeah, um, especially seeing the Twitter reaction afterwards, I think yeah. that was almost a straw that broke the camel's back. It was just like, you know, yeah. 
everyone loves Ben for what he's done for the club. You know, you know I, I think a stat came out of 20, he's been involved in 20 out of the past 25 MLS seasons or something like that, both oh, as a player and yeah, a coach. He's been there since 1997, 98. Yeah. It's just, I mean, he is DC United through and through, yeah. and he will bleed um, black and red. I mean, granted, he will bleed red anyway, but um, there will be bits of black in there. And I'm glad he's still at the club because he deserves everything that comes his way. But we needed that change this year. And for me, to get anything out of this season, I think it's a little. it was a little bit too late, that change. But there is still that opportunity. And that's one thing I want to talk about is obviously this game this weekend against Montreal Impact, which kicks off at a nice time for us in, here in the UK. Half eight kickoff, isn't it? Yes. Well, it'll be about 8.38. Because, you know, advertising over in America, the night to get, get that put in there. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great time for us. So we get to watch it. We don't have to be falling asleep whilst we're watching it. Don't need to have loads of cups of coffee. Decision day. Yeah, so, and it'd be lock, it'd be locked down anyway. So it's not like we'd be, <laughs> it's not like we yeah. have to be at work anymore, is it? <laughs> oh, no, I, I think it's no nice for me to actually be able to set my alarm clock for eight p eight a.m. rather than half six in the morning. I did find? So. Did, did you see um, DC United? I said, well, I think it was this afternoon. I saw it. I was saying to uh, Minnesota, hope yes. you have a nice day. Because <laughs> yeah. they're playing Chicago, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so that- that kicks off at 1am in the morning so fingers crossed when we wake up tomorrow Minnesota have done us a favour then going off that the other games I remember I tweeted out but we also need uh, where are we I was looking at the fixture list now so we need NYCFC to do us a favour on decision day then we need obviously us to beat Montreal that's a given. Not, none of this extra stuff matters unless we beat Montreal. Yeah, but, you can't. Uh, I, I think. Yeah, I think if you're a DC player out there right now, like there's no point worrying about something that's not in your control. Oh, you no. go out there. Yeah, they just need to go out there, get the three points, and you know if the results work in their favour and they get in, happy days. Yeah. It's a free hit because there's no expectation. You know, getting to Absolutely. the playoffs is a miracle anyway. So. Anything after that, I think, is just a welcome bonus. Um, so yeah, I think, and either way, you know, even if it don't get into the uh, the playoffs, you want to fi- you want to finish the season on a high. Um, you know, to finish a bit of momentum into the season. Your last few games, you know, you've you've won four out of your last six games, drawn drawn another. You know, that's a really good momentum to go into the next season. Yeah, that's it. And then the one other game that we need to rely on is I hate to say it FC Cincinnati yeah I mean how are the the rest of them I can see them all going our way yeah we need FC Cincinnati and I'm just going to have a quick another look at the table because I was just looking at the fixture list I remember that one there yeah because Cincinnati are playing into Miami aren't they yeah I mean they're eliminated that's official they cannot make the playoffs at all Everyone else at the moment can make it. And they have to write the plane into Miami. All we need from them 
is a draw. That is it. And they, so far this season, have only drawn four times. Lost 14. (laughs) 22 games. Four times uh, they've drawn. Yeah. I mean, they're still on 11 goals in 22 games. It's a good good, game. Yeah, it's a good job. It's not any relegation, nevertheless, isn't there? Otherwise, um... oh, that's a, that that is a very opinionated topic in America. Is uh, the promotion relegation? And uh, I remember I did a blog post a while ago, and that still get hits even today. That was over a year ago. I did that. So, yeah, I mean, let, let's let's have a brief talk about that um, promotion relegation. We over here in Europe and the UK. We all have, well, to be honest, most of the world has promotion and relegation. America generally doesn't do that kind of thing. And I know the reasons why they haven't brought it in, which is money related and the fact that it's all franchised and the whole MLS scheme where you pay like a couple of hundred million dollars to get yourself into the league. But would the league benefit from having promotion and relegation? See, the problem is, I think below MLS, the structure below MLS in terms of divisions is not particularly stable. And, you know, because of the unique position that MLS are in, where you basically pay to be in the position, like if you go back, you know, David Beckham had the right to buy an MLS team for £25 million it was, I think that's part yeah. of his contract signing. Now clubs are parting with £250, £300 million just to get a seat at the table. Yeah. And you know, let's say that happens, you pay that £350 million and then you, you go down the next season in effect, losing all of that investment. It's, um, it just wouldn't work. It, you know, I think the the MLS system of no, you know, promotional relegation of the franchise is a system that can only work in North America. I wouldn't work anywhere else because, you know, if you bought a franchise system over to Europe, it, it, it'd get thrown out the houses. Um, I mean, you, you've seen the reaction of the proposed yet again European Super League or whatever they'll call it in the next yeah. couple of weeks or so. Um, so yeah, I think it wor- it works for MLS. It works with the structure, and you know what you get. I think the structure works that uh, it gives everybody a chance. Yeah, because yeah, as true. much as you know, as much as you can say the Premier League is, you know, entertaining in its own right. Realistically, there's only going to be a small handful of teams that have a chance of winning. Yeah. Whereas with MLS, you know, with MLS, you know, it only really takes a small, a few additions either way to make the difference between you know, Dallas. Um, winning something or Seattle and you know the only real difference really between some MLS teams and the other is the size of the stadiums so people like um, Seattle and Atlanta have an inherent advantage because of the, what they could bring in through gate receipts and therefore the money they could spend on the designated players but yeah I think in short I think there's no point it's not really a broken system no um, and there's no need to change it in America yeah, for me, if they were going to, hypothetically speaking, um, if they were going to bring in promotion and relegation, uh, and I think I put this on this blog post that I did ages ago, the way I could see it working is if the promotion and relegation was done conference style. 
So you have Eastern Conference Division One, Eastern Conference Division Two. You still have the playoff system, but you'd. I think I've just developed it a little bit further in my head just then. So <laughs> you've got your, say, your top six t- sides in in the Eastern Conference. They go off to do the full normal MLS Cup stuff. Your then bottom six sides will then have a playoff with the top six sides of Division Two to fight out who stays in Division One and who gets relegated to Division Two. Yeah, see, I think that could work potentially if the amount of expansion teams creeps up to near the forty mark. Yeah, which because you know is over the one over the next. Do. Because over the next couple of years, you've got Austin, you've got uh, Charlotte FC, you've got Sacramento, and you've yep. got St. Louis joining the MLS yep. over the few next few years. I think, what, the 26 at the moment, that brings us up to 30. And I think yep. if it gets to a point where there's another three or four expansion teams out there looking um, to do it, um, maybe, maybe so. It. Like, it's... it's- it's too much unless they decide to go down the route of northeast, um, southeast. Yeah, northwest. or unless you know, unless there's a bit of ambition in Canada to get a fourth or fifth team in there because you've got you know they started the Canadian Premier League. Which is um, cool, actually, I like that. I yeah, like it's, that. It's... so maybe so maybe firstly you might see someone like Edmonton. Um, yeah. You know, if they got some resources behind them, potentially to go up from there. Uh, you know, there's also, but there's also been rumours over the years of the uh, Liga MX coming in, and that because they are a relegation promotion kind of yeah. place, and it's whether it's spreading it too far. Yeah, I think the travel. I mean, granted, travelling for MLS is ridiculous anyway, but I think if you're starting to go that far, I think it's going to be that's going to be too much and again then you're going to have to start doing divvying out more conferences and I think if we're going to go down that route it's just going to become a huge mess and I think that would fold quite quickly because I think all the teams would think it's there's just too much travel you think of the time zone differences you think of the the weather differences as well it's just not a level playing field at all in any way, shape, or form. No, it's. I think with the post-COVID environment, it's. I think, yeah. well, MLS at the moment, I think they'll just be looking to keep things as steady as they can do. Really, I think. I, can't, yeah. I think one of the expansion teams deferred for a year, didn't they? Um, I think it was Austin, maybe. I can't no, remember. I don't but know, they, but I, I, um, well, but they they're meant to join Sacramento, in next year, weren't they? Sacramento they're meant to join in next year, weren't they? And now yeah. they're leaving it to the year afterwards because yeah. of the ongoing situation. Yeah, it's yeah. I think we need to take it steady in that league. Um, there's ways that, ways promotion and relegation could work. There's reason. There's obvious reasons why it hasn't happened, which is obviously money related, but. I think for me, I think I agree. I think we need to keep it as it is. Leave promotion relegation as it is, which is weird for me to say because I've been fighting the corner of promotion relegation recently. Um, because I like the conference. I like the playoffs. I like how they do things. It's just so different to what we do over here. And 
if we start just saying you need to do it the way we do it, it MLS then loses its charm. Yeah, definitely. It's it's something that's unique. You know, I guess in yeah. Europe you are, you either like it or you don't. But it's um, yeah. I think, like I said, I think it's, it's always like a bit of an underdog story. Like, yeah. you know, who expected Nashville to be doing as well as they're doing this yeah. season, considering the, you know the resources they have available to them. You know, if you, you know, we were talking earlier about the um, resources that Inter Miami have available to them. Yeah. You know, completely, completely flips that. You know, their marquee starter was Walker Zimmerman. <laughs> you I know, mean, he's a good, good player. He's, and he's a good, really underrated. good. He is very actually, underrated. and probably should be start. You know, he probably should be uh, more of a figure in the um, the men's national team. You know, and Haney Mukhtar, who is kind of came from Bondby, German lad. Yeah, yeah um, he's, he's done well for them as well. Yeah, it's definitely exceeded expectations, but they certainly weren't household names by any stretch of imagination. So they're having to think a lot more out of the box when it comes to filling their roster and things like that. Um, You know, I think probably what DC needs to be doing, really, I think a bit more out of the box thinking. Um, It's funny, I was looking earlier and um, our top scorer has a grand total of three goals. You know, out of twenty-two games, three goals. Yeah, it's. it's I not, think we've not been very potent, potent up front, have we? No, uh, um, and you know, I think I'm probably picking him a little bit, but I think Kamara is kind of emblematic of that problem. Yeah, you know, I feel he's, he's been quite. A bit disappointing this season. Yeah, I think you know. I think we've referred to the uh, the, the Kamara Kuldi sack. Um... <laughs> yes, yes. The fact that he's he likes being, he has a certain way of playing, and the way we play doesn't fit his style of playing at the moment. He loves to drift out wide. He looks to either come deep to get the ball, and then we've got no one up top. And when he is up top, he's usually caught offside. Exactly. Like, he's always not where you expect him to be. So, a ball comes into the box and he's out on, like, the left wing or something like that. And you're just like, well, no. Yeah. <laughs> just stay, you know, stay, stay. It's almost like, whether it's a coaching thing or whether it's an individual thing, it just doesn't seem to be where you'd expect him to be. Um yeah. And I think, you know, there's all right, there's lots of strikers out there that like to drift wide and things like that, but they'll have yeah. the ability to be able to come back in, carry the ball, take a shot from distance, um, you know, and know when to get in the box at the time. Um, I think that's probably something that's a little bit lacking, you know, and what them being like 31 now, you don't really see that situation improving. No. Um, you know, Sorga, I mean, granted, the vast majority of his appearances have come from the bench, you know, hasn't really put in a case to be a regular starter at any given point. Oh, that's where we're going to disagree. Mm. I think Sorga's when he's come on, he's for me he's been brilliant because he's been the type of player. He's not the he's not going to be the player who's going to be banging in loads in the season. I think even though he did that in Estonia, he and we've already nicknamed him the Estonian Messi or 
its current hairstyle, the Estonian M&M. Uh, but he's the kind of player who ruffles the feathers of the defence. And I think that's the kind of player that we've been missing recently. Is the player who really gets stuck in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree on, on the personality level. Yeah, you know, you want somebody you get stuck in, but I think ultimately, like, if you're to choose between a player that gets stuck in and rustles a few feathers, you can find that you can find that anywhere. But to get you, you know, you if you were to swap him with somebody that scored 15, 20 goals next season, you would take you would take the oh. extra goals every single day of the week. Um, but I would play Sorga alongside another striker. Yeah, if they're that's, looking to go into next I season, I think with the you know if we with Flores providing a bit more ammunition into the box, I think there's definitely room for better production there. Yeah. And I think um, yeah, I think if we can get that, um, I think a bit of um, pace up front, you know, right at the centre. Bit of breakneck pace would really, yeah. really work. I think you need, I think we need like a poacher, you know, someone, you know, maybe not that flashy, but we'll just get a goal out of nothing. Yeah. Um, I think Rivas could potentially be that guy because you look at the way he scored his goal against uh, Revs, he, he was in that box, he was in the right place at the right time, took a nice first touch. He's a presence as well. I mean, He's the man's big. an absolute unit. Yeah, I mean, we've already <laughs> talked about how big Pines is. But Rivas is big in another sense that he's stocky. Yeah, he's he's yeah, like I say, he is a unit, and like you know when he's on the pitch, like yeah. you know, it's um, and he has looked he has looked dangerous. Has come up with a couple of vital goals. I mean, he could have you know turned at universe with some slightly better defending. Um, it could have been a different result against the Revs. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think we just got absolutely shredded um, on the wings on that one. Because, you know, two of these, especially for um, Bunbury's goals, it was almost like the same goal a couple of times over. It was just, yeah. out. you know, Yao got outpaced, probably showed his experience a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, let, let, him go on, let him go on the outside and then get a ball in. Um, and you got, you got you were punished for that a good couple of times over. Yeah, I think the only thing we're going to remember with that Revs game as well is we had Paredes playing at left back, who's not a left back. He's no, a, he's, he's a left attacking midfielder. Yeah, you've and got Canals playing centre back when he's more of a defensive midfielder, centre midfielder. So. Yeah, so we only had two out. The, we only had fifty percent defence there. So the fact that we conceded four goals, we shouldn't really be too surprised by, to be honest. Yeah, it's obviously disappointing, but yeah, given the absences, it's certainly understandable because you know sometimes you you get games where there is a difference between you know I think a more experienced um, you know defender you know a left at right back would have stopped some cross some of those crosses coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, because because ultimately, if once a ball comes into the box, it can sometimes be a matter of luck if you get there first or you don't. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's where the offseason would be good to finding some solutions, a bit of quality in the rings. Um, you know, I think also I think one challenge is getting the best out of Gressel. Yes. So yeah, I don't I mean... think 
you know, I, was, I remember when he signed, I was really excited. I think, and, you know, he got, I think, 18 odd assists for um, Atlanta during the season. And, you know, thinking, yeah. well, with that many assists, he's, he'll add something different. And for whatever reason, I don't think we found his best position or the best way to utilize his ability too much. Because sometimes he's popped up a right back, sometimes he's in the centre mid, sometimes on the right side of the mid. Like, he's almost like a square peg in a round hole. The only other thing we've got to remember, Atlanta have hours of Marsness. Yeah, I mean, that's going to make your assist stats look a lot, lot better. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we don't yeah, that... have that kind of player right now. And if we did, I think Russell would be would be absolutely fine. But on the flip side of that, he's not really had any competition, true competition to deal with because Ariola's been out for the entire season. So with him... And we're going to move on to the upcoming game this weekend. That was a lovely transition into that. Ariola's back this weekend. He's been out for nine months. And he's making his return this weekend. So that could give Gressel a good kick up the rear end if he makes it. Because he's just had a baby. And that's why he wasn't playing against the Revs. So congratulations, Julian. I know you've been on the show um, and we've spoken before. So congratulations on your newborn. Welcome to fatherhood. Yeah, enjoy the best for lack of sleep. But yeah, so uh, Paul's back this weekend. It's I've seen him over on the social media. All the training he's been done. He's looking sharp. He's looking great. I'm very very excited to see him back. I just hope it's not too soon because it could potentially be our final game of the season. The last thing I think even even. Even off the bench, to have that, have Ariola as an option to bring on in the last 20 minutes, you know, say if we get, you know, with nil nil, you need to, you know, you need to go, that goal gets through 10, 15 minutes, bring him on, yeah. just have freedom to go right, just create something, just do what you need to do to get there. It might yeah. give the X a bit of quality, or give, give the players a bit of a lift as well. I think yeah, starting him yeah. is probably a bit unwise if you've been out for nine months, you know, however yeah. importantly, however important the occasion will be. I think, you know, but to have as an option to bring on, like I said, last 15, 20 minutes, you know, we'll, we'll find a massive boost. Because uh, if a player see him coming on, they'll be like, yeah, you know, we've got a quality player back. We've got some, you know, another weapon to our arsenal that we didn't have before. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's it's worth managing carefully. I think if it's a situation where ideally from our point of view, three, four and a lap and it looks like well, you know, um, things are in our hands or we've done as much as we can do from our end, then I wouldn't necessarily risk him. You go yeah. Maybe for the last five minutes, like a farewell to the season kind of thing. But, yeah. um, you know, if there's a situation where you, we get into the playoffs, then save him for that. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Yeah, I think as long, I think, uh, as, long as we take it carefully, um, I think there's a lot of there's potential there. It's a wild card, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you, do, you, don't, you know, when you've been out for nine months, regardless if whether you've been training or not, when it comes to natural match day, you don't really know what you're going to get. You know, some players will come back and it'll be straight on it. Sometimes it'll take three, four, five games. We just don't know. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to set the expectation too high. Uh, otherwise, we'll all be like really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of these things where. When the injury happened, no one expected him to be back this season. I think everyone was like, right in, right a season off. We'll see him in 2021. The fact that he's made this progress, 
and he has the opportunity to be back this weekend. It, it, that just in itself doesn't matter whether he plays or not. That's already a lift to the club. Yes, because he's there. He's he's in and around the first team. He's training with the lads. It's it's going to be something that is, even if he's just sat there on the bench. You just know he's going to it's be just a, It's just a smiling. nice all-around feeling, isn't it? Everyone's yeah. just got a nice little warm, fuzzy feeling inside. That's, <laughs> That's literally it. And it will, it's it's going to, it's it's the cliche football manager. It'll be a lift to everyone at the club. <laughs> no. I had to use that on there. I had to. Um, well, I thought it would have been me that brought out a football manager reference, <laughs> but I've managed to keep him to a minimum. <laughs> oh, it has to be done. It's, I mean, to be honest, that's, pretty much both of our love affairs the majority started from football manager with this club and the league oh yeah it's because we both um, invested a lot of time yeah. um, I mean oh, I, I tend to hop around a little bit I mean you don't stay at the same club for more than a season two seasons yeah, come it. on oh I mean that's that's if you're lucky but it's one of the things where for me it all started in 2004 with uh, Freddie Adu back in the day FM Wonder Kid oh see I remember he went on the trial at Manchester United he it was did back I in... think he was on trial at Man United yeah it was back in it was back in 2000 yeah it was it, well he was just being he was almost like on the grand tour of all of Europe's big clubs like he, he just went on a whistle stop tour and he was at United for a couple of weeks back in like 2006 2007 yep. uh, where he was just about to turn 18 and I think they looked at him and um I think they decided against it, um, yeah. but you know that's when we're United were actually good um, at the time. Yeah, I we mean, won't we won't talk about that result this evening. Y- yeah, that's not. I mean, yeah, <laughs> last time United were good, I had a slightly longer hairline and more hair, um, yeah. and now I've just got fat and grown a beard in the meantime. <laughs> so it's been it's been it's it's been a long few years as a Manchester United fan, <laughs> and then I go and support DC. You know. Cause that's totally going to be stress free. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. MLS is always stress free. I mean, ah, oh, but no, it's. Uh, I've lost my train of thought now. Where were we? Freddie Adu, Freddie Adu. There we go. But yeah, he yeah, ended up a Benfica. You know what? It's this. It's it's interesting. Like he's one of those players that, although his career doesn't go as go expected. Anywhere go anywhere really well, he, well no, he's globe trotted all over the world yeah he's, he's like he's one of those he's one of those players that he doesn't seem to care too much that his career has gone the way it has he's just yeah. he's almost like i'm happy for the experience yeah, like i, mean, I can get to way, go to different countries go to different cultures like he's played in sweden he's played in greece he's played in brazil <laughs> he's got he's an extremely long gap here yes is the way to put yeah, it's basically just, he's basically just been paid to go on a gap year for 10 15 years, play a few games of football, and just go to a different country. I mean, he's I'd, only I'd 30. Look... Oh, I feel old. He's 30, and it's just it just doesn't seem right. I mean, I signed him on and played FM with him on 2004, and yet. He's only 30 years Yeah, old. I mean, up until 2008, I think he was still quality. Oh, yeah. I, I remember the signing of United back in like 2008. I'm just like, yep, yeah, goals. Yeah. <laughs> I signed uh, probably FM17, FM18. I signed him for DC United on that. Just like, I've got to bring him back, bring a do back. 
<laughs> got, and... Just got to do for sentimental reasons. Yeah, but he was banging them in and getting loads of assists. So he's got the quality there. And I remember watching the last game at the RFK Stadium. And he was playing in that. I mean, I think they ended up like 15 versus 15 or something daft like that. And But he was... He, he, Still had that touch, and he was able to finish as well. And it's just, a, can we just sign him? Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's still young. He's he's in his prime. Why not? Why not take a risk? And just think, the world legend Freddie Adu back at his home club to finish off his career. How awesome would that be, and how much press coverage would that get? Oh, yeah, that would get absolutely low. You know what? If he came, because if he came back and had like an Indian summer, so to speak, yeah. um, I think that would be like a really good way to sort of close the book on the positive. Yeah, on the positive. Yeah. It's um, yeah. I think that it'd be a wild card move, but it'd also be just from a PR point of view. It would bang be on. amazing. It would be amazing. I think. I think he's now signed for a Swedish third tier team. Third division team, yes. I think in realism, that's probably not going to happen. But um... But fair play to him for taking the risk to go on to Sweden in the third division. But I think that shows how much he genuinely just loves playing soccer. Yeah, I think he's just one of those players that just loves to play. Like, you know, doesn't seem to first with like the pressures of it and the absolute obsession with having to win like a trophy or play at a certain level or anything like that at all. I think he's just happy just to enjoy himself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Let's again let's go back to this weekend's game against Montreal. We've also got Thierry Henry's Montreal coming up. Um who's been in the press recently for his coaching style. Where... <laughs> did you see, did you did you see that um, clip of him giving it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not everyone is as good as you, Thierry. I think that's, that, that's he's a he's a long line of managers that haven't necessarily been able to translate uh, their footballing ability to coaching. Yeah, because I think on the one, you know, he's looking at a situation and go. I think you can just see the frustration. He, he, he's almost like he's just going to, you know, drop his trousers, get his shorts, and just come on the pitch. Um, yeah, I was wondering where like, you were going with that. Why, why aren't you, why aren't you turning, going past three players, and stick it in the top corner? I did that every single week. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it hasn't. I think he's, I think he's maybe slowly realizing that. But the thing is, it's not like he's new to MLS, is it? He played that. Yeah. He played for the Red Bulls for a few years. So yeah. you think initially it was a good move by Montreal because you're getting some an international superstar, you know, reputation-wise from his playing yeah. days, who knows the MLS. Yeah. You think, well, okay, he'll know the standard that, that's there. And, you know, Montreal have never been a, um, a top franchise team by any stretch of the imagination. Really, so you know, time will tell. I think it was just a very just telling clip, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just some of the comments that were coming out out of his mouth were just fantastic, and it's. I want to see that happen again this weekend because that, and you know, we're doing the right thing, and we're in their faces. And I just just looked back at the result that we had against them earlier on in the season at the MLS's back tournament, which was a one nil defeat. Granted, that was a long, long time ago. 
under a different head coach and then we've got a new way of playing it was like two um, years ago when it was it does, it does feel like it was two years ago that's how long this year has been but um and that was at uh, i think that was a 2 30 a.m kickoff possibly 3 30 or three o'clock around that sort of time and i actually stayed well i didn't stay up but i went to sleep and then got set the alarm clock really early to get up and watch the game and bit, stayed up for the rest of the day to get for that one to see us get beat one nil, that was a bit of a kick in the teeth, to say the least. But you know, that's the life of a fan. Um, but like I say, it's a completely different ball game this weekend. It's decision day, which is what it's been billed as. I think we'll win. Yeah, I, I think we'll I, win. I, I think well, we've got something to play for, and typically in decision day, the one the teams that have got more to play for, I think. There's, there's just a mental advantage um, to use another football manager because um, uh, oh, the players are mentally on their holidays already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, and that, yeah. and that, you know, that, that happens sometimes with teams at the end of the season. It's just like a subconscious thing. Uh, yeah. But obviously, you know, it's a, it's, it's um, we, we, we owe it to ourselves to as a team just to go for it. You know, yeah. no one's going to be super disappointed if we don't go through to the playoffs. But I think if at the very, very least we can finish the season on a win, then yeah. we've done all we can. We've finished on a positive. Let's push That's on it. for next, you know, take that momentum into next season and go from there. But yeah, I think a win, uh, regardless of what the permutations are afterwards, right, is, yeah, it's, it's essential, I would say. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the league table, I'm... The other annoying thing is Montreal have something to play for. So if they get beat, so depending on obviously other results around the around the around the grounds. And granted, by the weekend their position might be all done and dusted, and they have got that qualification place sorted out. But they, if they get beat, they may may drop out of the playoffs. So it truly is all to play for this week, and that's makes it really really exciting yeah i think i think chicago are probably the more nervous i think if they lose tonight yeah. um or tomorrow in our time but yeah tonight yeah. in the u.s time i think they're yeah they'll be worried i think they're going to be really worried because i'm just looking at like the farm guides and things like that chicago haven't won away from home this season or if we're an american on the road um they've had zero wins six defeats and four ties so that could be a very very interesting game and even then even if they draw tonight that still means they're going to be right on the edge um and then the big next big game that we've got is the chicago nycfc uh columbus atlanta um i forgot to mention that earlier so we need columbus to do us a favour. They've been re- in real bad form recently. I mean, they got beat by us. So they've, I think they've had one win in the last six games. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's. I mean, yeah, I mean, Columbus and MRC are probably about. I think Columbus have probably over exceeded expectations this season. Yeah, I think I oh, they, they've been fantastic, especially especially with the issues they've had off the field in recent years. Yeah. Uh, with oh, let's just move to you know Texas or something. And well, sure that's, that's what Austin FC was supposed to be. All about. Yeah. 
and that didn't have, obviously happen so they've just you know oh, we'll just create a brand new team instead then you know yeah, because it you know a... it's MLS you can do that you can just pay to go yeah. in um, yeah I mean uh, I think that happened once over here didn't it with Wimbledon turning into MK oh, Dons and wanting 40 miles uh, yes. 20 odd years later and uh, they don't appear to have uh, gotten over it overly much so no. and it's another know, uniquely really MLS thing anywhere. yeah it's another uniquely MLS thing where you go moving cities eh, it's fine <laughs> anywhere else you just wouldn't watch it's just like you know, it's like if Mike Ashley at Newcastle United just went you know what I really fancy just taking um, Newcastle to London <laughs> I mean that would be absolutely hilarious being a Middlesbrough I mean, fan, that would be absolutely hilarious. Saying that, it did it did remind me of a football manager so when I was at Gateshead and we ended up playing at QPR for a year. Yes, I remember you saying that, yeah. That, that's just weird. It was but, very weird, but thankfully, uh, that's the difference between real life and reality. Yeah. Non-reality. Right. I'm also looking at a few other things. So Columbus, obviously one of the key games for this weekend, they've won eight out of nine games at home. So, at home, they're tip-top. It's their away record. They've not won away, and yet they're third in the Eastern Conference. Shows, shows how important home form is, So it really does. Um, yeah, I think the last... Um, I mean, they won, a, they won away at Atlanta, I think, mm. was the last one that I could spot. Um, you know, and then, yeah, at the group stages, when MLS was back, they wouldn't obviously, you know, technically in a way game at Cincinnati and Atlanta obviously all in technically the same place but yeah it's um, their waveform has been a bit dodgy yes and then the only and then the, like I said the other game that we need to be keeping an eye on is the Miami Cincinnati game I mean Cincinnati have won once away I haven't drawn yeah I mean away, Christmas but... happens once a year as well but it's um... true Lightning strikes twice. Yeah, it, I just don't think it's likely because they've got nothing to play for, have they? Like, no, they've, got, they've literally not. They've but got. They've got. Li- turn up and spoil their day. And we know yeah. how much teams well, that, do like to do that. That is true, uh, but you know, four wins and four draws across the whole season. I mean, it's not even like they're a new franchise. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's their second season, and yeah, you know, it's um, they've had an absolute. Shocker, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I think it was um, uh, Yapstam. That's there but now. Is it Yapstam? Yeah, big, big Yap. Because I don't know whether you saw the FC Cincinnati um, tweet that came out that in, that said we've hired Yapstam. <laughs> yes. Oh, how embarrassing was that? I think I, I think I spent an hour just seeing the photoshops afterwards. <sighs> I mean. It's the. I mean, it was almost like it was so much of a disaster. It turned into PR. I think genuinely they did that on purpose because it went viral worldwide. It was on Sky Sports News over here in the UK. It, it, was, it was. It was everywhere. Yeah. I think even the clubs over here were doing it. It's, yeah. But no, I think it was. I don't know. I think it was. Um, it was too. It was too wild to be a bit to be deliberate. Like I don't, I don't really give them that much credit, but it was, <laughs> that could be their one win for the season. 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, that said, having to go back in and face Yapstam after losing a game, I think I don't think would be the most pleasant experience in the no. world. No, not um, at all. You know, especially from his playing days, not a bloke you want to pick an argument with. Not at all. So, I'm gonna have to push for an answer on this one. How are we gonna do this weekend? You know what? I'm feeling a really sweaty two-one. Ooh, a 2 1. Ooh. Yeah. You're allowing Montreal to score a goal. Yeah, I think I think it'll happen. Yeah. I, I, I think it'll happen in a typical DC way. You know, we'll start off really well. We'll get yeah. get an early goal. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll tail off a little bit towards the end of the first half, second half. I can see us conceding, you know, probably a sloppy cross, um, losing a man from the corner. Um, yeah. You know, it would be a DC game with a bit, without a bit of jeopardy involved, and you know there'll be some Bill Hamid heroics. As of course, all. I mean every yeah. game is a Bill Hamid. Exactly, yeah. and then you know I can see it in the 80th, 80th minute plus there'll be a goal. You know what? As much as I've, I think Kamara's going to get the winner. Oh, I mean, that would you be... know, you know that you know that classic. Um, Strike he gets his first goal of the season, kind of vibe. <laughs> With his first shot on target. His first shot on target. I reckon that's going to happen at the weekend. Oh. It's just, it's just, it's just going to be, you know, everyone's been slating him, um, yeah. or not overly complimentary, such yes. as ourselves. Sorry, but Mr. he's joined top scorer. With three goals. <laughs> I mean, I think Harry Kane's uh, over in England's probably done more in one game, hasn't he? Um, he probably has, like So, yeah. but you know what? Even if he, you'll forgive him for the for lack of prolificity in goal. If, just for one. Just for one. Uh, and if it's the goal like sends us to the playoffs. All is forgiven. A lot will be. I don't think all, but a lot will be forgiven. A lot will be forgiven. Yeah, yes. you know, he, he if he scores that goal, he he, he can go to as many de sacks and offside as he, as he wants for the rest of the season, and I just don't care. But <laughs> I mean, we if we do make that playoff game, it would be nice to actually make it past the first game because the last two seasons we've been knocked out. It's twenty eighteen. That was just pure unluck, uh, bad luck. Because it was down to penalties, you got Zach, yeah. Zach Stefan and goal, who's renowned to be an absolute amazing penalty saver. Very good shot stopper as well. I mean, he's yeah. wasted he's for Manchester City. City now, isn't he? Yeah, wasted. He should be playing. I know it sounds bad, but at a mid-table Premiership side, because that way he'll get more coverage because he'll be saving a lot more shots and playing more anyway. Yeah, for the US national team, I think he needs to be playing regularly. I think, yeah. I think you know what, with a world with a World Cup coming up and um, a couple of years, I think maybe if he's not get you know, let's be honest, he's not going to be number one at City, is he? No, I mean, not Edison would have to break a leg. Yeah, but that would that would that would literally be what he needs to get in in between the sticks at the Etihad. But they'll do they'll. But they'll do what uh, City have always done. They'll just sell him on for multiple millions to somebody else. Yeah. Or send him on loan to New York City. <laughs> for no wages. Exactly. <laughs> Get around the rules. That's how they pay their yeah. game. But that's genuinely, I think that could happen. If he doesn't get any game time, 
by January, I could see him going on loan to New York City FC for 2021. Yeah. And with the World Cup coming up, I think that's highly likely. And if it doesn't happen in 2021, the fact that the World Cup is in 2022, it'll be there, definitely. But he's he's got, yeah, he'll be there, but he's got to play, hasn't he? Um, he has to be playing to get to the yeah, World Cup. Yeah, I think... With, with the situation at the moment with COVID, he's probably bought himself a year where it's not a massive disaster for the national team. If he doesn't play too much, yeah. it's not a major problem. But if you're going into a year before you got to submit your submit the roster for the national team, um, yeah. you know you you're going to be picking players that are playing. And he's that rare goalkeeper where he's coming towards you know 23, 24, coming towards a peak age. He needs yeah. to play regularly and starting. Um, because yeah, you know, does. you know, Bill Hamid has been habitually ignored by the US national team. So, as good as we know he is, it, let's be it honest, it's not gonna happen. That it genuinely, yeah, me how do you think that? So do you think that? I mean, say Stefan doesn't get the games, do you think there's a case for do you think there's a way back for him in the national team? There should be based on merit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the fact he's one of the best, well, he is the best keeper in MLS. He should be in that national team. I mean, Brad Guzan gets in. Brad yeah. Guzan, who I mean, got back-to-back relegations from you, the Premier League with two you different had to, teams. You had to suffer Brad Guzan watching the Borough, didn't you? Yeah, and he was horrendous. I mean, granted, Victor Valdez wasn't any better, but at least he looked like he gave a damn. Oh, God, I, I forgot Victor Valdez was at Borough. In fact, yeah, I even forgot he was at Manchester United at one point. <laughs> I enjoyed watching him play for the Borough because, like I say, he looked like he wanted to be there for a lot of the time. Granted, when we started being at the bottom of the league and not looking like we are going to get out of it, that's when his head was turned and he just wanted out, which shows his com- lack of commitment. But he was entertaining to watch and it was a bit of fun. Brad Guzan, his head shines for a little bit concedes a goal and he has this weird face I mean I, I'm, I'm going to end up going on a rant about Brad Guzan here well he's one of those people that he's got that sort of Jordan Pickford scenario where if you look angry enough to wave your hands at everybody else yeah, it's, it's, it's not your fault it's always <laughs> his fault and there was the goal um, oh, was it 2019 oh, it might have been 20 yeah it would, would have been 2019 and he was just it was just horrendous because he should have been there and the ball just swerved from one side to the other and it was just there and oh yeah it just annoyed me give me two seconds my headphones just come out just need to stick it in the right hole I should be I should be back now. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Cable fell out. Whoops. Happens. But, Technical issues. But yeah, I mean, hopefully you heard everything I was saying there. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, Brad Guzan, Hil- Bill Hamid should be in the national team. Um, yeah, I think I've discovered a, a massive appreciation for Bill Meeks, and you always knew he was like decent. But you know, now that I've watched a lot of, sort of DC games over the past sort of eighteen months, it's like, yeah, he like he's capable of probably almost another crack at Europe. You look at 
you look yeah. at some of the um, excuses for goalkeepers you see in England, you're like, surely you, you could do a job. The, the biggest problem he's got now, if he wants to come into play and come play in England, one, he'd have to, have to leave DC, and I don't want that to happen, but two, work permit issues. Because of the lack of games for the national team. Yeah, it depends how the post Brexit. Yeah, it's true. Escape. Yeah, like and we still we still don't know what the heck is happening with that. I mean, it's only less than two months away now. Who knows what's going to happen with Brexit and the the whole playing field for for football over here? Because you see, that'd be it's, it could go well two ways because it's like. If you want to, you know, it'd be great. I think one thing that um, England have missed out is been able to get the US. Now, you think about Germany, they're able to get the pick yes. of uh, the US youth, oh. basically. Yeah. It's like, you know, the US or Canadian youth, they they can go over to this easy pathway to Germany. Yeah. Whereas I think, you know, if the work permit rules were a little bit less stringent um, in terms of elite sport, You'd you could have the likes of say Jordi Reina um, or Alfonso Davis could potentially have come over to England, yeah, beforehand, and I think that would be nice to see if there was a change that allowed more American players to come over again to the academies and stuff like that. Whereas at the moment, unless you're Christian Pulisic standard and your club's willing to pay fifty odd million pounds, but he's a generational talent. Yeah, I mean he's probably already the greatest talent-wise, probably the greatest player to kick the ball for the US he's early, in his early 20s. Yeah. I mean, you've got the... You'd love to see um, Giovanni... I mean, granted, Giovanni was born in England, I think. Well, he's, he, he was, I think he was... He, yeah, he was born in England around when Claudio was that Man City. He was born in Sunderland, if I remember rightly. Poor bloke. Yeah. I mean, I can understand why he'd want to leave. Um, yeah. I mean, for for my American listeners, Sunderland, it's not exactly the nicest of places. For my English listeners, if you're from Sunderland, I'm sorry. It's kind of like... Uh, Hashtag not sorry. It's kind of like Detroit, only smaller... And worse. Worse. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's... apologies to anybody that's from Sunderland, but not really. Yeah, you do, you, you understand. You understand yeah. where we're coming from. Um. But yeah, I think Rayner was born in, in the UK, so having him over here would be fantastic. I mean, I would love to see Rayner play for just anyone except Leeds. In the, that's in the Premiership right now, anyway. Sorry, Sammy, and everyone who supports Leeds. Sammy's someone who's been on the show. I don't know why you picked Leeds, but you know, Ken as well. I know you're a Leeds fan. I yeah, Patrick I Bamford think right now. Yeah, I mean he's he's gone. Yeah, he's 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 now sort of he's turned well. into Lionel Messi. Yeah, but we've got our own Estonian Messi in Eric Sorga. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and speaking of fifty, because that's his number. Next week, we've got my fiftieth episode, whoop, which whoop. which is insane. So, um. I am looking at the time because we've coming up to the ninety-minute mark, so we've done we've done well. 
We're going to win this weekend. We're going to exactly. qualify for those playoffs. What's your prediction? Uh, I'm going to go for a 3-0 win. Oh, you go for big convincing... Big convincing dom- win. Go out on that high. Um, I'm not going to say a Pines hat-trick, because, uh, but I think Pines will nod a goal in. Um, I think I think Flores will score from a free kick. And who who's going to score the other goal? Who's going to score that one? Like I said, I think you've just got to go for the Kamara Allen nowhere. Yeah, it'll be what potentially Rivas. But then we're we're talking about unknowns here because we don't know what the lineup is going to be yet. But I hope it's four four two. Yes, in a, in a Mike Bassett that, special. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you don't know what we're talking about when we say Mike Bassett, I mean, even then you don't know what I'm talking about. Mike Bassett, England manager. Go and watch the film before this weekend because it's a cracker and you'll understand what we're talking about when we want to play four, four, mm, two. Two, yes. There's a reason why it's hmm. Yeah, it's a a little bit... um non-child friendly yes so yeah. don't watch it with kids around um, but yeah exactly you don't, don't we don't do pet guardiola over here in tic attacker it's no. it's classic 442 hoof it up top hoof it up to rivers he nods it on boom goal job done exactly. room one yes um stew's just come in with a score prediction oh hello stew has decided to go for two nil okay his goal scorers are two strikers Sauger and Rivas. Ooh. I mean, I would love to see Sauger score. The other one I want to actually see score this weekend, I would love to see is Kevin Paredes. Oh, young lad to get his, like, his first, like, his his goal, first goal. His first, first goal. Assist. He's got his first assist, but he, has, he needs to get the back of the net. Oh, that would be yeah. incredible for him. Yeah. Like, what a platform to go into the playoffs as an academy product. Yeah. yeah. Imagine him scoring the, the goal that sends us to the playoffs. Mm. Oh, absolute scenes. Yeah, scenes at home because we can't be at the stadium. And on that note, let's have some scenes this weekend. Thank you, Andy, for coming on to the show down there. Thank you very much. Thank you, it's been Thank an you absolute... for inviting me for up there. It's been an absolute pleasure. It has indeed. It's always nice to actually get an Englishman on. I think that's the first time I've had an Englishman on who's also been a DC United fan, so... It's always good. Um, thank you to the show sponsors as well, MLS UK Show. Do go and hit them up. Go and check out their videos and their podcast as well. Um, also check out the interview that I did. That's also as a separate video over there on their channel. Um, we've got one game left. Hopefully we'll have more, but we've definitely got one game left. And if you want to come and join us over at DC UK, head over onto the link that's down there for membership. It's free. It's free to do so. There's a private Twitter group on there, so we've got lots of chat going on during the games and during the week. And I also announce who's coming up on my show, but I'm not going to announce it just yet on here. Oh. Yes, I know. It's a tease, but it's going to be a good one. It's the 50th episode, so if you want to know in advance who's going to be on, come and join me over at DC UK. I'll send you the details about it. It's the 50th episode. I'm hoping to do some big stuff with it because it's a milestone. I never thought I'd get here to doing 50 episodes ever. 
I never think thought I'd make it past season one. So the fact that I'm still here chatting is beyond my wildest dreams. And the fact that I've interviewed Ben Olsen, Donovan Pines, Julian Gressel, no, all the players. Russell you've Knauss, had Duncan twice, haven't you? Duncan House twice on the show on this season. Yeah. Um, it, he's yeah, been it's... fantastic. Um, it was all right. I'm, I'm just gonna have a quick chikaru look at the guest list that we've had on this season because it's worth going through before we end the show because Andy you are number 25 for this season so this season we've had Ken who was a regular on last season uh, Sarah who was a regular last season uh, David Shams who was my first ever guest on the show he came back as part of the extra time show that we do when it's a nice little bonus episode Felipe Martins came on um, love him to bits. He's an absolute legend. Sam, uh, Sam Nelson, Dan Wise, uh, James Lambert, who heads up the Screaming Eagles. He's the Screaming Eagles president. John Lee, who does the Tried and True DCU podcast. So that's also another great show to go and tune in. They do a post-game show that we're doing at the stadium. Obviously, COVID happened. Um, I've had Sam from Into Miami, UK. Russell Canales on twice. Chris Aduiach, Sam. Uh, Andy Bernard, who does the UK NYCFC um, account. Ben Olsen. Um, Dr. Chris Anunziata, who's part of the medical team. Kevin Paredes has been on. Julian Gressel, Griffin Yao, Sammy Kasner, Cheyenne Foster, um, John from RFK Refugees, uh, Donald Wine, Claudia Pagan, Kim Cole, Donovan Pines, and now yourself, Andy. You know what? I'm, it's absolutely honour to be in such um, company. It's oh, and like I say, next week, Thursday, nine PM GMT, four PM Eastern Time. It's going to happen, and I hope to see you there. The odds will be forever in our favour. Indeed, fingers are crossed. Let's make the playoffs. Let's do what we can. And until next time, vamos United.